This is the Turn on the Jets podcast. 45 yards rushing on the drive. Here's a cutback for the touchdown for Crowell. And now, here's your host, Joe Caparoso. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Joe Caparoso, owner of TurnOnTheJets.com. This week, we're going to be joined by frequent guests of the pod, Connor Hughes of The Athletic. He is a beat writer for the New York Jets. Uh, we're going to kind of go through the state of the roster. Jets going dealing with a lot of injuries right now. Quincy Inouye out. Bilal Powell now put on IR. Jets recently add Rashard Matthews. We're going to talk if they're going to make any moves before the trade deadline. Talk about the state of the depth on both sides of the football and project how the Jets are going to fare in their next three games heading into the bye week. Uh, so we're going to jump into that in a couple seconds here. want to remind you guys to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. Please hit us with a review. Please hit us with a rating. I think we're like 22 away from 300, so that would be a nice benchmark to clear. Uh, T-shirt still for sale on our store at The Loyalist. That's linked on the website. Uh, make sure that you are also subscribed to our Play Like a Jet feed, which is regularly churning out multiple different shows from What's Your Point to Know Your Foe uh, to Scott's ongoing interviews with different Jets legends of the past. You'll basically get a new show every day there. You'll get your new TOJ show here every Thursday. And we are now joined by this week's guest, frequent friend of the pod, Connor Hughes of The Athletic, New York Jets beat writer. Connor, thank you for joining us. Yeah, man. Thanks so much for having me on. As it stands right now, the New York Jets uh, are on a tough run with injuries, I would say. It's as bad as it's been in recent years. Quincy Inouye out for a few weeks uh, with an injury probably not coming back until after the bye week. They added Rashard Matthews to help with the receiver death. Terrell Pryor was released allegedly for an injury. I don't know if I really buy that. Uh, we just found out Bilal Powell is going on IR with a neck injury, and Elijah McGuire is still not ready to come back uh, from his injury, so the Jets will probably have to make an addition at running back. They're also down to two healthy safeties, although they did just make an addition to support Terrence Brooks and Jamal Adams with Doug Middleton out for the year and Marcus May out probably until after the bye as well. Outside of the Jets adding Rashard Matthews, do you anticipate any more moves? And is there any other lingering injuries uh, at other positions Jet fans should be watching out for or concerned about? Uh, it depends. I mean, look, they're going to have to add some bodies. Um, you know, we we were talking to Todd Bowles. Uh, you know, I think it was not not too too long ago, and and he was kind of saying that you know it gets to the point where you have to have people that can play, and and sometimes that means going out and signing people and adding people and then plugging holes and. You know, you mentioned it. I think that running back is a spot that they're going to have to do that with. You know, Trenton Cannon flashed in that green-white scrimmage, and he's got a lot of athletic ability and things that the Jets like. But coming from Virginia State, I just don't believe he's ready to have a, a really heavy workload uh, in an NFL no offense at this point in his career. But we'll see. So I think they could probably add a body there uh, until Eli McGuire gets back. I believe he can return next week, if I'm not mistaken. I think it's after week eight guys on the short-term injured reserve can come back. So he's, I mean, that guy's going to come back and immediately have an awful lot on his plate. But um, aside from adding a body in free agency, you know, kind of those low-level free agents that maybe you haven't heard about or guys that run other people's practice squads, that, that's probably the additions, the loan additions you're going to see the Jets make. You know, they, Mike McCagnan values his draft picks a lot, and he does realize that this Jets team, while improving and while better, they're not a contender. That's why they're not going to realistically be in there to, to give a first-round pick for Amari Cooper or likely in, in the realistic running for Demarius Thomas because he's an aging guy at 30 years old. So, you know, he is, is still trying to make the Jets competitive this year, but he is still not willing to do that at the expense of the future. And, and the Jets, if you remember, 
they don't have a second round pick in this year's draft because they traded it as part of the package deal to go up and get Darnold. So uh, I don't, I find it hard to believe they're going to be willing to part with that first round pick, meaning that all they'll have is two third or their first picks in the draft will be the two third rounders. And those two third rounders might be better saved to potentially trade up uh, into the second round if they have a player there that starts to slide. So um I think the Jets will make moves, but I don't think they're going to be, you know, those those back page stealing. Oh, wow. Did you see the Jets just got insert name here? Uh, I don't see that happening. I think some Jet fans uh, might laugh at Mike McCadden wanting to save his uh, middle and late round picks, considering uh, some of the problems (laughs) with depth at receiver right now come from using a second round pick on Devitt Smith, a third round pick on Ardarius Stewart, and a fourth round pick on Chad Hanson. Three guys who can't even land on any NFL roster, not the Jets roster. Before we move on, do you have any more insight into what the hell is the deal with the Terrell Pryor situation? We know he's been a problem in a couple different you know places and their rumor was that was an injury and the Jets might bring him back if healthy now Adam Schefter's reporting he could play this Sunday it did seem like Pryor was getting into a pretty good groove with Darnold and you know I think most Jet fans have a hard time believing they wouldn't be better served with him running routes instead of Sharon Peak or Andre Roberts any more insight into what happened there no, it's, it's it's very odd, honestly, because both sides of the story are, are saying the same thing, that this is not personality-related, this isn't a, an issue, there wasn't anything that happened behind the scenes. But, you know, Terrell Pryor was starting to talk to different media outlets and say different things, that, you know, he was unhappy with the reps that he was playing. And if you talk to him in preseason, and I did, I wrote a big story on him, was that he was under the impression that some of his limited reps in training camp and in the preseason were because he was still hurt and working his way back. And that once he got healthy, he would take over as, as the, you know, the top notch receiver, kind of like he was in Cleveland and, and, you know, or you know, the one year that he was in Cleveland and the, the quote he gave me, which was an awesome quote was that, you know, the cream always rises to the top. Like that was his mindset. And I think when he started to play some in those first couple of weeks and he did, I think it was, it might've been a dolphin game. He had a really good game. It was something like three or four catches, 80 yards. He didn't have a hundred, I don't think, but he came close to, um, when he went from doing that, to then dropping to at one point he played two offensive reps and then he came back slightly to 15. I think that he was annoyed at that and he wanted to be on the field, but it was also just very poor timing. You know, the Jets weren't going to lose Quincy Anunua and then also cut Terrell Pryor because Pryor was going to be a guy that was going to immediately fill in because you can then move Jermaine Curse into the nickel. Or I'm sorry, not the nickel, I'm thinking too much defense. You can move Jermaine Curse into the slot, put Terrell Pryor outside there with, uh, with Jermaine or Terrell Pryor and Robbie Anderson outside you got your main curse and slot, and suddenly, you know, that, that receiving core isn't as great, but it's not as, as much of a detriment as it is at its current state with Andre Roberts and Sharon Peak seeing significant offensive reps. So uh, I think it was honestly a lot to do with the injury, and the Jets just needed bodies. And, and the big thing to remember is that when you look at the secondary, when they're down screen, they're down Tremaine Johnson, they're down Marcus May, they need bodies there, and they also need bodies at receiver. And so when you look at this roster, and usually when injuries happen and you start piecing together, okay, well, they can afford to cut this guy, they can afford to cut this guy, and then they'll just elevate someone. The Jets roster, where they have the excess of positions, were also the positions that they couldn't really afford to cut anyone. They, cut, they can't cut a defensive back right now. You know, Justin Burris doesn't really play, and he's probably a guy that could be on the chopping block, but because of how so, so many people are down, they can't afford to cut him. And then at receiver, with all the bodies that are out there, they can't really afford to cut a healthy guy there to, to keep prior while he's hurt. So I think this really was more about the injury than anything else and, and the fact that really they just needed a body and they couldn't afford to keep another injured receiver 
uh, on the 53-man roster when they had these holes at corner and the holes at safety and also, you know, obviously with two wideouts down, the holes at wideout. Looking around at the rest of the roster, we know they're banged up in the secondary. We know they're banged up at the skill positions. Uh, what is your feel for for timeline on guys like Tremaine Johnson and Buster Screen? I, I feel like with May and Anua, we shouldn't expect to see them back until after the bye week, which would be New England. I think that's week 11 or week 12. Are we going to see Johnson or Screen? And i got to say, I don't know if they've been necessarily missing Johnson quite as much as they should, considering what they're paying him. I think Darren Roberts has actually held his own pretty well out there and has also held off Rashard Robinson, a guy the Jets traded a draft pick for, and Derek Jones, a guy a lot of Jet fans were high on in the preseason. I think in the slot, for his inconsistent screen is, we're seeing those same inconsistencies with Nickerson. Screen is also on the last year of his deal, and I'm not sure if he's going to be back here next year. But are we going to see those guys back potentially uh, before the bye week and maybe even this Sunday? We'll, we'll know more today, uh, or we'll know more Wednesday. That, that's kind of when Todd will speak to the media and, and he'll provide an update because the, he's, he's taken that tight lip approach. You know, Tremaine Johnson's been around the team. He's, he's been in the locker room. He's been walking around. He hasn't done anything at practice. Then, but I mean, he's, he was at the, he was in the locker room after the Vikings game. So, so he's probably, I would say closer to playing the buster screen, you know, screens had a lot of issues with concussions in his career. And this is another concussion. And, the Jets, you know, take a lot of uh, they they take those issues seriously, and, and they and they take those those matters seriously. And and the fact that we really haven't even seen Buster Screen since the injury is, is I think it's a sign. You know, Todd says that Todd said last week that he'll come in for for a couple minutes in the morning and and for some some you know kind of to talk to people and see the training staff, and then he goes home. And and that's kind of where he is. That's the severity of the concussion that he has. So I think he's probably a little bit further away. Uh, more unlikely to play than Tremaine Johnson, but with Johnson, you know, we, we've got to see what he does this week. And I don't mean to you know, sound like a coach with coach speak and stuff, but that really what it is. Cause if you think about it, this guy hasn't practiced in how long this guy hasn't played since week four. So it, it is going to be an acclimation period where it's going to be tough for him to go from basically not doing anything to immediately starting for the jets. Uh, so it wouldn't surprise me if the jets took a more cautious approach because of how well Roberts is playing and kept him out until after the bye as well. But we'll see. Knowing the reality that just about every NFL team weathers multiple injuries throughout the year, uh, how much of a magnifying glass does this put on Mike McCagden's ability to build depth and build a full roster to potentially support the growth of a franchise rookie quarterback? Now, the Jets had among the most cap space in the NFL last year. I, they certainly didn't spend all of it because that rolled over to them now having the most for the second year in a row. And I think while that's great, I think part of the problem is is that most teams keep their best players. I think, you know, you see an example, all Jet fans want to go sign Ali Marpet. He's immediately signed back up by the Bucks. Usually that top-tier talent does not hit the market. And we saw last year with the Jets – they were going to go after Weston Richburg, and Ryan Jensen ended up kind of settling for Spencer Long. They were going to get Jarek McKinnon. That didn't end up coming together. And some of the other guys they were bidding on didn't didn't click. Now, to their credit, they were able to add Avery Williamson, who's been really productive. Johnson's obviously been a mixed bag, but they've also got some good value adds in Andre Roberts and Brandon Copeland. Uh, but on the whole... Does this put a little m- more of a magnifying glass on the work McCagnon's done? Because really, it's you know a handful of injuries, uh, and this roster uh, looks really scary thin. Uh, going into a fairly challenging stretch of games for the Jets, where they got to play a f- you know a three and three Bears team on the road, and then a four and three Dolphins team who's beat them already on the road. 
it's uh, it's you hit the nail on the head. I mean, that that is a, a big criticism of Mike McCagney because when you talk about even that's this year they've been they've been significantly better in the special teams, but you know that was something Grant Boyer credited to them basically going out and signing special teams specialists. But when you look at the best special teams units in the NFL, and you look at the teams that honestly, if, if you want to know about a team's depth, you just look at their special teams. That that's how you know the teams that have the best special teams are usually the teams that have the most depth and you build that depth on special teams by not hitting on superstars and all pros and pro bowlers with your mid round picks. That's not what it's about. And I think that's what fans sometimes mischaracterize these draft picks. Look, if you can get a pro bowler in round three, four or five, awesome. But if you can get a, a competent starter or a core backup, any special team or there in like the fourth, fifth, sixth round, that's a really good draft pick. And the jets have basically swung and missed on these late round and mid round picks since Mike McCagnin has been with this team. I mean, the second round picks, obviously the ones that you talk about with Devin Smith and Christian Hackenberg, but their third round picks really haven't been that great either outside of Jordan Jenkins and their fourth round picks and their fifth round picks, aside from hitting on Brandon Shell. I mean, it really hasn't been very good drafting. And that's why the Jets have had their issues prior to this year on special teams and why they suddenly seem to have these issues that when one player goes down, they don't really have the next man up and they don't have somebody competent to play him. And, and so I think it is a, a big concern, and, and like you said, you know this whole this whole concept of of building through free agency is a flawed approach. You know, it, it doesn't usually work. It, it might work immediately for a quick blimp. You saw with the Jets in 2015. You saw with the Giants in 2016. But then those contracts and those guys start to age, and the money starts to eat at your ability to sign other people, and then it really all starts to fall apart, fall apart about as quickly as it sparked. So. You know, the the best way to build a team is to build it through the draft and then plug holes in free agency. So if you need one position on defense, you can go out and sign that guy in free agency. If you need one or two positions on offense, you go and sign that in free agency. Or if you need this little little, you know, piece of the puzzle here that, that you weren't be able you weren't able to find in the draft, you can go sign someone. If you were going into free agency and saying, Okay, well we have holes at center, right guard, left tackle, defensive end, outside linebacker, a backup safety, a middle linebacker and you just expect to sign everyone, it's not going to work. You have to hit on your draft picks, and that's been a huge concern with the Jets thus far, is, is even if you remove the 2015 draft from the Jets, you know the one where Mike McCagna basically picked with Idzik's scouts and all that stuff, it still hasn't been much better in 16-17. Uh, we'll see, obviously, what happens in 2018. So the Jets absolutely have to get better. Um, one of the reasons why, while he's not as much on a hot seat as Todd Bowles is with the fans and all that stuff, because he did get his quarterback, uh, Mike McAgnon's on that hot seat as well. Looking at the state of the roster now and knowing how they're going to have to weather a few of these games with a banged-up roster, how does that impact Todd Bowles' job security? Now, he was really on the hot seat a few weeks ago when they dropped to 1-3. and three. They won a couple of home games, which I think kind of helped push that off for a little bit. I think the general consensus has been that if Bowles can exceed the five wins the Jets have had the past two years, knowing that they have a rookie quarterback and they're still, again, in the midst of the rebuild, somehow in year four of this guy, of these two's regime, he would probably be safe overall. Do you, as much as Jet fans are calling for Bowles' head, and I think it's more than fair for him to potentially be pushed out, even if they do go six and ten this year and slightly exceed their five wins from last year, 
I don't know if an interim owner and Chris Johnson is going to want to pull the trigger on firing a coach and go through the entire head coach search process. My guess is that he would default back to being advised by the same guys who advised the Jets the last time around, Charlie Casterly and uh, Ron Wolf, and they were advocates for hiring Todd Bowles. So I don't know. Is jo- is basically, I'm saying is Bowles' job more secure than most fans are assuming? Mm, I don't. I don't think so. You know, I... I... From I, I think that Christopher Johnson, while he's you talk to him and you look at him and 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 you 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 spend any time with him and he kind of comes off as that person who maybe isn't necessarily a disciplinarian. You know, he doesn't. I don't. It doesn't. Like, man, you you talk to him for ten minutes and I, I've talked to him a ton since he's taken over, and the guy does not appear to have a mean bone in his body. He's just a very genuinely nice person, and it's kind of hard to see him calling anyone into his office and firing him but but there is that side to him and and he's a guy that if he's upset and if he's unhappy and if he doesn't believe that the jets are headed in the right direction he will make the needed and necessary changes now the difference between him and woody is that he's a little more patient and he's not as knee-jerk so when the jets are if the jets were to lose four games in a row he's not going to fire someone in season he'll let the plan out see if the thing if the you know the the thing kind of writes itself and they get back on track but if the Jets go five and eleven again, I think even if they go six and ten, uh, a disappointing six and ten, injuries or not, I, I think that Todd Bowles is likely out, and and you know, and then we'll see who they replace him with, likely an offensive coordinator, but or an offensive minded guy, I should say. But it, I think the the key the key number and the key figure that Bowles has got to get to is is nine is a seven wins. If he can get to seven and nine or better this year, I think that that's when he will be back, no matter what. But you know, even if he comes back at this point, man, I mean, look, I've been a pretty, pretty big advocate of Todd Bowles and, you know, let the guy develop, let him, let him move forward. But, you know, it's getting to the point where it's very hard to defend him in his current state and what he's doing, because the same mistakes that this guy was making in 2015, he's still making in 2017 when it comes to game management, clock management, timeout usage. You know, when, when the Jets play teams that they're better than, and they beat him, or Todd Bowles, you know, kind of has a week or so to prepare for a good team, and he puts together this excellent game plan, and the Jets win handedly, kind of like they did against the Lions on the opening on uh, opening week. He, he, the, you don't really see the Todd Bowles factor much in those games. You know, it's, it's games that the Jets handedly win, but when it comes down to games that are decided by a possession or two possessions or three possessions, which while it showed a twenty point score or a score differential, the Jets were in this game against the Vikings, and it really was just a one or two possession game. You start to see the little things that Todd Bowles in, does in a game, which maybe doesn't directly cost the Jets a victory, but it certainly doesn't help them get a victory. And, and at this point, I mean, look, if this guy was in year one or year two, you say he learns, but this is year four, and I just don't think he's going to get it. So we'll, we'll see if the Jets keep him around. We'll see if he writes this ship and gets to seven and nine. But even if he comes back for next year and, and the Jets can or can't make a playoff run, I, I don't know if I'm, I'm super confident in his ability to get this team to the next level. Final question before we let you go. Jets three game stretch heading into the bye week. They're currently three and four. Uh, you're going into a game at Chicago where they're seven point underdogs, followed by playing Miami in a game. I, I guess if Brock Osweiler is the quarterback and they lose to the Texans tomorrow night, maybe that's a game where they're three, four point underdogs, and then you get Buffalo at home. Buffalo is obviously a train wreck right now. Uh, 
What do you think their record is going into the bye? Before the season, I said they'd be 4-4 four and four through 8 and 5-5 five and five at the bye. Maybe not 4-4 four and four unless they could upset the Bears. I guess I would not be shocked if they were able to beat both Miami and Buffalo and get to that 5-5 five and five, uh, mark. But... What what do you think the ex what do you think is you know the expectation and your prediction over these next three games? I think they'll take two of the three. You know, I I think that I don't think they'll sweep. I think they'll take two of the three. Now I know this game against Chicago is going to be played up pretty big in the locker room. You know, Jamal Adams, you know, saying in, after the Viking game that he's not going to let the the issues of yesteryear happen again. He's not going to let it happen. But the Bears are a good team. I mean, don't don't let that record tell you any different that team was i mean obviously it depends on what you get in mitch trubisky good bad and different that kind of thing but if mitch trubisky's on that team is is one of 10 has the potential to be one of the better in the nfc they've got a good defense they've got weapons on offense they've got a young quarterback who can move within the pocket scramble a little bit but also is more of a thrower than a runner which is what you want uh that's a really good team and, and playing on the road in soldier field in the elements for a kid who's from southern california with, with sam darnold it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be an easy game. And if the Jets can win that one, that'll be a really, really high mark on this season. But I think they win that one, or I think that they will probably lose that game to the, the Bears and then probably win the next two. I'm not sold on the Dolphins. They play hard, but there there's some talent issues there, and I don't think they're all that great. The Jets probably should have beat them the last time they played. And then obviously, as you mentioned, the Bills are, are a train wreck. And, and if Josh Allen's there, that might make it a little bit more interesting, the whole Sam Darnold, Josh Allen dynamic um would make a, a pretty fun storyline to see those guys go at it for the next you know five six seven eight nine ten years or so um but but uh i think that that's probably what you're looking at is over these next three they'll probably win two of the three uh lose to the chicago bears and then win uh win against the dolphins and then and then the bills all right connor hughes we appreciate the time we'll definitely talk to you before the end of the year everyone make sure to give connor a follow on twitter at connor underscore j underscore hughes connor thanks again yeah no problem man. thanks so much